Hi, everybody. David Knorr. I want to welcome you back to another episode of our Curvebenders Live. I'm elated that I'm joined today by a friend, a client, colleague. We, we've had some great fun together over the years. I want to welcome Karen Hamill from Schneider Electric. Hello, Karen. Hi, Noor. Happy to be here. It is great to have you. Karen, for those that may not know as much about you, uh, would you kindly start with your professional background? Sure. So uh, Karen Hamill, I'm hailing from the Chicago suburbs, but I'm originally from Rhode Island. Yes, it is a state, the smallest state. I did get out. Um, but, you know, I went to the University of Rhode Island with a degree in business management. And I actually initially got into restaurant management out of school because, I, you know, I paid my way through college uh, bartending and waiting tables. Um, but being a Rhode Islander uh, at the time, there was just one of two employers in the early 2000s that you could go to with a business degree, and that was uh, GTEC or APC, American Power Conversion. So it was APC where I found myself, you know, after graduating from the restaurant business and Schneider Electric then acquired APC uh, sometime after, and I'm still with Schneider Electric today. So, so, so uh, how long is this? What, what, what anniversary are you working on? At, at well, it's, it's non-consecutive and I stepped away from my career for a few years, uh, but for the last 11 years, I have been with Schneider Electric. That's awesome. And for our audience, uh, give us a glimpse into your role or realm of responsibility mm -hmm. today. Right. So today I lead services for our U.S. digital buildings business. And, you know, Schneider is all about global um, energy management and automation. Basically, I, I should explain, you know, when most people that haven't heard of Schneider Electric, their immediate rea reaction is, oh, so you're an electric company. No, we actually do not produce electricity. We live in between what's called like plant to plug. So in between that space where electricity electricity and energy is being consumed. We try to make it efficient and green and affordable and all of that good stuff. In buildings, the build business I'm in, it's all about um, smart, intelligent building management systems. You know, a building needs a brain in order to be efficient and help that building be the best it can be for whatever purpose it has. And so I get to lead the services for all of that. It's, it's pretty exciting. So I've uh, I've gotten to know Karen over the last couple of years, and uh, you're you're passionate about that field service function, and in particular the field technician. So we'll talk a lot about that for our audience. Uh, we're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter. I would encourage you to jump in because we're going to talk a lot about curve benders, those that uh, really create a very different trajectory, a very different both direction and destination in your personal and professional growth. And Karen is is the poster child or the poster leader of that concept of that of that journey. So so Karen, let's start with what are some of the big trends? I, you know, I could have sworn we're going to be done with this thing once we got a vaccine. But two years into this global pandemic, what are some of the trends you've observed in field service during this pandemic? And, and I'm curious which ones you believe are going to kind of stay with us. Well, regardless of the pandemic, we are already bracing ourselves for the silver tsunami. Uh, I think it's now a household term. Everyone's come to know and love. Uh, and then through the pandemic, the rise of the great resignation, 
which is another one, all of these things impacting labor, essentially, and how do you capture, import, and retain great talent in your organization? Those two massive megatrends are impacting that daily. And then coupled with it, everyone, regardless of what industry you're in, is dealing with the supply chain challenges. So all of this to say, these things are the perfect storm for needing to change the way we operate and do business. And some of the technology trends that I've been able to leverage to help us overcome those challenges, you know, usually it has a lot to do with working smarter, not harder and automating and digitizing trends. So for example, artificial intelligence software, um, virtual reality glasses to help people so solve and service things remotely, uh, telematics for our fleet vehicles. There's a ton of new digital technology solutions on the market that we're putting to work for us as we face these, you know, labor and supply chain shortages. Mm. Uh, and and uh, the best leaders I know uh, at the moment, and, and again, I've been at this for a while, uh, are always recruiting. They're mm -hmm. always looking to, as you said, import, develop, nurture, amplify the talent in the organizations mm -hmm. because they realize their success is heavily tied to that exceptional talent and not just recruiting them, but developing them and nurturing them and really scaling their success. Yeah. So you and I met through the service council and for our audience, if you don't know about the service council, John Carroll, Sheila, Matt, and those guys have done a great job in building a, an exceptional community of field service, customer service, customer experience professionals. Highly, highly encourage you to check out servicecouncil.com. Uh, you've built a reputation, and I know SC does as well, of being kind of very much field service and that technician centric. Can you share some examples of what the field technicians mean to the Schneider business? Mm -hmm. and, and what are you guys doing to put them at the center of your efforts, your organization, your success? Well, to your first question, what the field service engineer or technician means to our business, they are the value that our salespeople sell. I mean, it's it's not just some offer on paper that a salesperson goes and tries to get a PO for. It's literally the human beings that execute that offer. It's the men and women that show up at a new site every day, a different customer site every day, they walk in with a piece of our culture at Schneider, the logo on their shirt, but they're exhibiting our brand and our core values through those interactions with the customer. So, you know, depending on how well we've supported and the culture that we've driven for our field service engineers and technicians, it's going to be, it's going to lead to the type of experience that they provide to the customer ultimately that is the value right there. So they're incredibly important. And I would argue that our service frontline is the most important part of our business. They are at the center of everything. So when we talk about, you know, trying to improve customer experience, the first thing we should look at is improving our, our employees experience. I'm a huge proponent of the saying, um, happy people make happy customers. So focus internally first. 
for a long time, I've believed, and you and I've had conversations around this, of how those field technicians become ambassadors of the brand. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, corporate marketing can do a lot to build, and they've done a phenomenal job in building, you know, the the, the SC, the Schneider Green, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, by the same token, as you mentioned, when that field technician shows up and they're courteous and they're helpful and they go above and beyond the call of duty, to take care of that customer and solve the problem, it reinforces that brand and that Schneider Green and that we're here to ensure the brand promise you bought early in that in our relationship is actually delivered in your respective buildings. So, so talk about what do you do as an organization to remove friction or to really enable their success or to make sure they uh service council does the uh, field of uh, the voice of the field technician mm-hmm. and their number one complaint is all the administrative or the you know all the things that bog them down so what are you guys doing to combat some of that to really enable their success yeah um i go back to some of the you know the talking points on digital so what sorts of tools can we arm and enable them with to help them do their job better, make their life easier, help them be the hero to the customer because they have this cool trick of, it's not just your wrench and pliers anymore, it's all these digital tools that you might not see, but they facilitate the execution of the work. Um, The other thing is this group of frontliners is traditionally one of the hardest ones to communicate to. To, you know, we talk about the corporate speak and the marketing pitch and everything, but it trickling down to the front line. Again, they're out on site, different site every day. They're not necessarily drinking the Kool-Aid, sitting behind a corporate computer, receiving all of our messages. So how can we reach, how can our message and our vision and our ambitions reach the front line and Connecting those dots, actually, you and I had a really great um, collaboration with some strategy visualization on our hero program. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, would love that. And 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 what I appreciated about through that through that journey was, uh, you know, I think, and and I'll, I'll welcome your comments on this, Karen. Do you believe your background because you came to field service for marketing? Mm-hmm. Do you believe your background in marketing? helps you with exactly that challenge of how do we package, how do we communicate the right message at the right time and the right amount and the right frequency with those field technicians who are busy. And as you said, they're just enthralled in doing their jobs. They're not sitting and waiting for email. Right. Absolutely. I think my background in marketing is invaluable because at the end of the day, we're all just people trying to communicate with each other. And you really need to know your audience if you expect them to listen to, to for the message to be received, right? For it to even trickle down to them and for it to mean something. If you want the change to be adopted, you've got to tailor your message. One size does not fit all. And so I did. I learned that lesson in in some roles in internal communication and internal marketing, and I used that skill set every day. It's a critical point, and and it goes to your 
willingness and I think your ability to really empathize and really understand not just from a corporate standpoint as the producer of that information, but really the field technicians as the consumer of that information, how to best connect the dots, how to best really help them understand not just what's happening, but why. So uh, it, you brought up the hero engagement and not, not only you and your team were great fun to work with and really appreciate James Milet's leadership and support of that effort as well as yours. Talk about the hero program, kind of give our audience a glimpse of the, where did it come from? You know, and we can talk about what we did and how we did it. And, and, uh, and, but talk about a little about that experience. Well, I was, it was almost two years ago uh, this month that I accepted this position leading services for digital buildings. And up until that point, there had never been a fully dedicated leader in the services part. So we were actually in digital buildings, historically a construction organization. And um, people get pretty excited about these huge new, you know, skyscraper buildings that we build. My goal was to come in and convince everybody, yeah, that's cool. But you know what's even cooler is day two services. After the building is built, we get to have customers for life and we get to work with them and provide a value for the long haul. And that's where it's at. So I come in with this challenge to carve out services. And I was, you know, assessing current state, understanding status quo, and also matching that up with where do we want to be in three to five years? What do we, how do we get from point A to point B? And started listing out all the strategic initiatives that we had, all the long-term ambitions and thinking, okay, how are we going to get there now? And knowing that that technician, going back to them, they're at the center of all of this transformation. I needed a little bit of a roadmap, targeted messaging, something. And you're great, Nora, about telling me and, and checking people on the MBA talk and corporate talk. And how do I tailor my message and make sure it reaches the front line? So that was the impetus of the hero program. And then uh, with your permission, I, I'd like to share with the audience, kind of give them a, because uh, the common thread is Lynn Wilson, our uh, creative director, who also uh, did a lot of the visualization work, um, also created this. So, so you want to talk a little about what we're looking at? Sure. So not only did I have a massive uh, service transformation, to see forth. I also had a peer on our construction side or our systems side who had the same sort of journey and transformation to arrive at, you know, aggregating all sorts of ways of working and processes and inefficiencies and having this one way of working and bringing our teams along with us and helping our teams identify where they fit in in the big picture. So yes, on the day-to-day, -day, we might be asking you to change a tool or change a step in a process or do something different you know, in your travels along the, on the way, but what's the point? And so to have a big picture type view that you could pan out and identify like, oh, I, that's why, that's why they're asking me to do this differently. And I see like I'm contributing to the huge big picture for the long-term. That's what this visual boils it down to. And for audience, we also uh, use the backside of this to really create and and to Karen's, uh, you know, kudos to you and your team with the 
building hero award program. Now there's, you know, back of this really highlighted how to put those field technicians at the center of all that you do and really recognize them for going above and beyond. It's been a few months since we rolled this out. Can you talk a little about the the outcomes and the the great results from it? Yeah. Well, and it's it's funny because nor we were working not only with myself but with my peer as i mentioned and i remember he came at you with a 40 page strategic powerpoint deck and i was a little bit fresher so i didn't i wasn't bogging you down with tons of uh word docs and powerpoints but i was a little scattered and it was such a helpful process to get to that one visual so now what do we do to animate finally have this great strategic visualization that simplifies the message how do we give it legs? And that's how the hero recognition program came to be. So if I'm a technician and I'm aligning to our core values and I'm um, picking up the, the new trends that you're trying to need to adopt, I'm going to recognize that behavior and celebrate that and put your name in lights. And that is the hero recognition program. So when you see someone doing something great and aligning to our strategic ambitions, enter a nomination. The beautiful thing about the hero program is it's peer to peer. We have a slew of top-down recognition programs. We've got president's club for our sales teams. We've got all sorts of great stuff at Schneider Electric but we needed something to give the love back to the front line. And I think it means a lot more when the men and women that you're working side by side with every day, notice it and call it out. And it starts there and gains momentum. What we did was we, you know, received hundreds of these peer to peer hero nominations. And every month we would select the best one. It was hard to do actually to find the best one. Um, and we'd publish it, we'd put their name in lights, we'd um, create a plaque and mail that certificate or a plaque to the employee. And at the end of 2021, we ended up voting on the top monthly hero and gave a big spot bonus and celebrated that person. That person actually, like I should share, you know, his name is Shannon and he works out of one of our Texas branches. The story with him was last year during the Texas ice storms, which I whoever's in Texas, you know, I'm sure you remember it well. He spent the night at a customer site, a hospital, because he knew how important it was for that hospital to remain up and running. And he wanted to make sure that during those ice storms that nothing would go wrong. And he spent, you know, the night away from his family um, on a cot at a, a hospital and, and during COVID too. And it was just pretty amazing the lengths that our employees will go to on behalf of our customers. It's really great. And think, you know, for our audience, you know, think of that story uh, of a field technician spending the night in a cot in a hospital to make sure that client is taken care of with all the challenges out there and finding great talent and mm -hmm. developing and retaining great talent. And truly all these heroes that go unrecognized on a daily basis and their work ethic and what they put in behind the scenes. I mean, their best days is when nothing goes wrong. Yeah. And to recognize them with something like this, Karen, it goes beyond a poster that says our people are our biggest asset. You guys actually are walking the talk and you're demonstrating mm -hmm. your commitment to that talent agenda. So again, 
kudos to you guys. It became very real to me just this week. So we're continuing the hero program into 2022 and our January winner is this great guy out of Boston. His name's Renee. And he's one of those names that I've never met this man in person, but his name consistently bubbles up from customer feedback and great stories. So he was our January winner and he published the certificate that we awarded with him with on LinkedIn, talking about how much he loves Schneider Electric and how grateful he is for a supportive culture and team. And that's when it came full circle for me that I wasn't, I was no longer pushing this initiative and driving. It's now got the legs that, that I mentioned earlier. It's, it's on its own now. Got and, I've, and I've always believed your next great employee is probably a friend or a colleague of some of your current employees. Oh yeah. And what better billboard for the culture than somebody talking about how much they love the place and how much the place means to them and how much that recognition is just the gratitude for it is, is you, you, you see me and you recognize the impact and the contributions that I'm making. And for that, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Right. So uh, moving on to you, you, you've obviously read the curve vendors book. I describe curve vendors as these great relationships who beyond helping us with any transactional event, they they leave an indelible imprint and they they shape not just you know the, you know our performance, but the managers, the leaders, the human beings we become. Right. Karen, in thinking about your own growth journey, can you think of two or three? You can use first names if you want, or you can just tell us who they are, but people that have shaped your trajectory. Yes. And I have some that shaped it in a negative or, you know, were the negative influencers that taught me to overcome those. Bender benders, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but there are two leaders that come to mind that actually I think about all the time. And one is a former boss. His name is Billy Wang. And Billy was the first it was when I first started in like a true services function at Schneider Electric. And he showed me what it meant to be a servant leader focused on our people. So for Billy, it was all about the experience that we are creating for our employees. He made it personal. And so, you know, I mentioned, you know, President's Club. We've got these great trips for our, our top stars. Traditionally, those trips are, you know, husband and wife. Billy was like, bring the kids too. You know, he just pile them on. And, and, you know, we had a meeting one time. He came out to Chicago to have a workshop with me here. He's from California. And I had a conflict one evening when we were supposed to have a, you know, a work dinner. Well, my conflict was my daughter had soccer practice. So what did Billy do? He was like, I'm coming with you. Do you have an extra lawn chair? He came with me to my daughter's soccer practice. And it was the way that he invested in me personally, it was the example that he set that I bring with me as a leader through all of my encounters. So Billy Wang, look him up on LinkedIn. He's going to have a whole bunch of new hits um, after this session. But the second leader is my current manager, boss, mentor, friend, James Milet. 
And I'm sure several of our listeners already have heard of the reputation from James Milet. He's fantastic. What James brings is wisdom and he's willing to share it in a great way. He coaches and enables me and he has popped my Schneider bubble, if you will. Like he thinks of the outside in. He has an extensive network. He's willing to share it. He stretches me beyond just what I'm you know, doing today, next week, next year. He's thinking for like the next decade. And I, it's very empowering to have a leader who I know believes in me and is willing to share that wisdom with me in a productive way. So I'm, I'm grateful for the time. Everything is temporary. So I'm grateful for the time that I had with Billy and I value it. I'm grateful and I'm maximizing the time I have with James today. And we'll see who that next great leader is. For, for our audience, some of you may know, I have uh, teenagers, uh, 20 and an 18 year old. And we recently had a conversation around, you know, your career trajectory. And one of the comments I made to them is that first job out of school is really important particularly to go for, you know, go, go work for a boss, go work for a manager leader who's going to take you under his or her wings and teach you not just the business, not just a company and the ecosystem, the competitive landscape, whatever, but teach you how to be a better human being, teach you how to do the job right and do it well and do it well the first time and demonstrate to you the attributes you want mm-hmm. To, to, to really embrace and, and, and incorporate into your own leadership brand. And, and I don't know Billy, but I do know James Milet. And, and he's, Karen and I, you have talked about, you and I have talked about the ridiculous knack the man has for identifying and nurturing great talent and really identifying uh, competent, capable, intelligent, engaging leaders like yourself and then nurturing your success along the way. And uh, your, your colleague, Chris, who we worked with as well, not president of Ireland and, and really, you know, running that, that, that country's business. And likewise, your realm of responsibilities have grown and you've done a lot more under James Tutelage. So they're definitively that, that curve bender mentality or mindset, if you will. So, so I think I mentioned to you, uh, one of them, Fascinating topics that came up as I was writing the book because I was giving people a roadmap on how to identify, nurture relationships with and find curve vendors in their life was one of mine. One of my curve vendors said, David, this is great, but I think there's a more profound question here, which is how do we all become curve vendors in the lives of others? Mm-hmm. So that's my next question of you is as you develop, as you nurture your team, as you think about the love, the support that Billy and maybe James have poured into you. Karen, how are you showing up as a curve bender in the lives of others? How are you ensuring that beyond the transactional, beyond the performance, you you leave that long-term imprint on the managers and leaders they become? Yeah. Um, This one is... It's a loaded question and it's nothing that I take for granted being able to be in a position, a leadership position to be able to influence others. James gave me some great advice because I'm a fangirl of other leaders, one being our CEO, Annette Clayton. I look up to Annette. 
She's a strong female leader. I can see and recognize myself somewhere higher up. It's something I aspire, uh, you know, to continue to climb the career at Lattice. And James pointed out to me, he's like, you know, you, you're a huge fan of Annette's. How many layers up above you is she? She's, you know, two gaps of leadership between you and Annette. Now think of someone that's two gaps of leadership between you and, and below you. You could be that, you're Annette Clayton to other people. So don't lose sight of the fact that you are an inspiration to others and to help people along the way. So first was just pointing that out to me and for me being able to humbly acknowledge and accept that and now take all the opportunities that I can. I'm a huge advocate for um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we have several employee resource groups at Schneider Electric that I am actively involved with and I'm an active ally for different groups. And I take the time to meet other employees through those groups that I wouldn't normally have the chance to work with on a daily basis. I love mentoring other young emerging professionals and being able to give my fresh take on career advice. Because frankly, I, I did mention two amazing men that I look up to that have been um, influential in my life. I haven't had a lot of women leaders. So now I could be that person for someone. So I'm not going to try to be like a man. I'm not going to try to lead like a guy. I'm going to be myself, my authentic, transparent self. And that's what I bring to the table. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, so talking about that growth, talking about mm -hmm. uh, diversity, inclusion, equity, uh, you know, initiatives, groups that you're passionate about, you're involved in. Talk about what's next in your personal and professional growth journey ahead. You and I have talked about, you read in the book, this idea of, of your journey from now to next. Mm -hmm. So Karen, vice president, doing well, brown responsibilities, great progress. The company's doing well. What's next for you? How do you learn? How do you grow? What's that journey like? I'm lucky to work for a company that really does invest in its people. So I take advantage of a lot of our leadership learnings and curriculums. Um, and, you know, I block time on my calendar to be able to learn and actually leverage some of the tools that are at my disposal. And I network with people outside of my own company to try to keep a fresh perspective, keep my ear to the ground. And I do also, you know, try to inject things like reading and listening to podcasts, uh, industry publications, things like that. What's next for me probably is a job that doesn't exist yet. I'm, I'm not a fan of uh, stepping into a role that's already been worn out by somebody else or, you know, just you know, the run rate of some business that's kind of dying out. I'm interested in the future, uh, what hasn't yet been developed, emerging trends and technology, and how can I come in and be of value and take my experience and like craft something new and, and leave a legacy behind for somebody else to come in and improve. Love that. Love that. So, uh, Again, as you, one of the key ideas that, that I wrote about in, in uh, Curve Benders uh, is this idea of work-life blending. You and I, you know, we both have kids. But yeah. Your life, you know, evolves around these kids. And Karen, I made a comment the other day that my kids have an amazing mom and how she kind of 
you know, beyond her professional role, she also runs our house. And so somebody said, well, I need a Wendy. <laughs> and it made me uh, chuckle, but also realize how impactful and amazing moms are. Uh, but on top of that, working moms, because there's this inherent conflict of, you know, I've got professional obligations, but also have personal aspirations. Mm -hmm. So how have you, as a professional working mom, how are you making that work? How are you blending those two and, and being okay with it? Well, first, let me say that I, I can look back at the pre-pandemic, mid-pandemic, post-pandemic and say, the pandemic was the great equalizer for working moms. Uh, working dads, you know, there's plenty of them out there, but I don't know that they were necessarily, the women are always looked at as the caretakers and uh, investing in the family like that. And I historically would try to hide the fact that I had children. I have four kids at ages three to 16, big span. So a busy life at home, but I always tried to hide it because I was worried that other people would write me off or think that, you know, I've got too much going on at home. I couldn't possibly travel for work or, you know, nobody really knows what my personal life is like. And I, I don't want that to speak for me or before I walk into the room. So, you know, that, you remember that video, it was a BBC news video of a dad doing a live broadcast and the kid comes in. Well, pre-pandemic, that happened to me. And I was doing a live broadcast at work and my daughter was homesick and she came in trying to talk to me while I was doing a live broadcast. And I thought my career was over. I mean, it was, thank goodness that man had had kind of broken the ice because it wasn't <laughs> so bad, but it was just not really acceptable yet in professional world. But now flash forward today, bring your kids to work day is every day. Right. I mean, you can't, we are in invading their space. Yeah. And so now it's like, oh, come on, sit on my lap, like join me in this in podcast. <laughs> so it's a huge shift that happened almost overnight. And I, I really think it's the equalizer for working parents. Um, and I love that. Now, the other thing that just makes me successful from a more tactical standpoint, and I've learned through the years is have one calendar. You know, you you said work-life blending. Thank gosh you didn't say work-life balance because I don't think there is a true balance. Blend it. One calendar. You know, the kids' doctor's appointments, school teacher conferences. I'm working late and I'm traveling and stuff, you know, falls into whatever time slot it can find. So one single calendar helps me effectively be a great mom and a great employee. And the other thing I, I can't go without saying is I do have a wonderful supportive spouse who's in an industry much like mine, actually ex Schneider Electric employee. And we we get to talk about work and I, I can share all of that. And I do get to talk about this types of things at the dinner table with my husband and kids. And I don't try to compartmentalize one or the other. I think that's the key to success. For our audience, if you've joined us late, you're listening to Karen Hamill, VP of Services for U.S. Uh, digital buildings uh, in North America for Schneider Electric. And we're talking a lot about curve benders as uh, relevant to field service, uh, customer service, customer experience, and really increasingly what's becoming the career lattice where you may move diagonal or you may take on other roles and not necessarily career ladder. 
And we're talking about the curve benders concepts and ideas and bringing those to life in the examples that I've observed just being around Karen. So uh, one of the things you mentioned, and when I asked you, how do you learn, how do you grow beyond the reading and the podcast and those that are critical, you also mentioned your network mm -hmm. and James Milet's network and the network, which I thought was fascinating above and beyond the Schneider electric, your kind of company network, you also invest in meeting peers across other companies, even some other industries. Mm -hmm. And as we mentioned earlier, Service Council is a fantastic gathering for that, which you serve on the advisory board on. Talk yeah. a little about your Service Council experience and perhaps some of the relationships you've met at the symposium or just being around that community and what that's done for your personal and professional growth. The best thing that's come out initially from the service council, especially through the pandemic, was not feeling isolated and alone in the field service industry, you know, thinking that I'm the only one dealing with these labor challenges and COVID spreading through a branch and uh, site closures affecting the way we work. It was so refreshing to be able to just talk openly with peers of mine in the industry or similar service functions to be able to, you know, work through different solutions and best practices or say, you know, no, I tried that. Don't go down that road. That one didn't work out so well. And just to bounce things off. So, you know, that's been incredibly helpful and, and comforting in a way learning from these other people, you know, that Chicago symposium, some of the keynote speakers up there, I learned so much and was great to actually then walk up and shake hands and, and meet them afterwards to ask a few deeper level questions. I think that's been the most valuable piece of this. Another little thing happened just last week, you know, because of this network of other leaders I've been able to meet and connect with on LinkedIn. Now I'm exposed to the, the posts that they like and the people that they follow on LinkedIn. So I'm finding myself like reading new content and following new people there. So it's really uh, opened up my eyes and ears. I, again, I, uh, I've, I've been a student of this for a number of years and, and I often coach executives that uh, beyond your academic foundation, beyond your professional pedigree, your portfolio of relationships mm -hmm. inside the organization, as well as external to it, become often your biggest asset, become your biggest asset in solving challenges, in uncovering opportunities, in seeing that exact same scenario from a different lens and different perspective. And Karen, kudos to you, because it sounds like you're embracing that idea you know, kind of head on and and uh, and fully. So, so congrats on that. Uh, talk about. I'm always curious, and again, somebody else asked me this, and and I and I think a lot about them of, um, Karen of ten years ago, Karen of twenty years ago, knowing what you know now, and a friend of mine, by the way, says age is a terrible price to pay for wisdom, right? What, yeah. what advice would you give that Karen? What, what would you uh, talk, see the sense into her or tell her to do more of or less of? What, what piece of advice would you give that Karen 
of 10 or 20 years ago? A lot of advice. First of all, though, I would not change anything. You know, all of our experiences are building blocks that make us who we are today. So, and I've had plenty of ups and downs in my personal and professional life, and I wouldn't change it. As painful as some of those things have been to live through, I wouldn't change them because they they make me who I am. But with that in mind, I'd say the first piece of advice I'd give myself is everything is temporary. Just learn from it. So, you know, the setback that you have professionally or the challenge that you might be going through with your child at the time, you will overcome that. You will either learn to live with it or find a way around it, solve it, whatever it may be. So everything is temporary and just stick with it. And the second piece of advice I give myself is to go where I am valued. You know, I told you I started out in the restaurant industry and um, this was in the early 2000s and we weren't quite as progressive as a nation as we are today. And I remember having a conversation with my general manager asking for, um, I wanted to be paid the same as a male counterpart of mine in a leadership development role. And he laughed in my face. And I, that, I have that imprinted in my brain. I told you earlier, you know, the people that are great role models and I have some that were not so great. And those experiences have led me to go where I'm valued. And I also remember a time early in my mid twenties, I had taken a step away from corporate America to focus on at home. My children needed some extra support and I found myself in a kind of dead end job and just to make ends meet. And I remember role playing with a friend around how to go from a $2 raise, like go from making $12 an hour to $14 an hour. And I didn't have the self-confidence at the time to even have that conversation with my manager. And to just know when I finally found a place at Schneider Electric where I am valued, I recognize it. I see it. They invest in me. I'm a loyal brand ambassador now. I found a place where I'm valued and I'm staying. And if I may indulge you, I happen to have a copy. Wow. For <laughs> um, the audience, I did not put her up to this. This is self-induced. If And I was giving some thought to the curve benders in my life and my life experiences, knowing this conversation was coming up. And you have a wonderful quote in here. It says, remember in the future, the only job security we can expect is the value we bring and the only loyalty organizations should expect is the continuous learning and growth they create for their talent. I am a testament to that line in your book. And I feel like I found a place, Schneider Electric, which invests in me. So it's just very timely there. Very kind of you to, to share that. And again, having having spent time with James, who you, you work with, um, I've seen those examples of those investments in individuals and really raising the bar on what you, and, and, and pushing you. And that's the other thing. Uh, I often say no growth ever comes from a place of comfort. So managers and leaders who see the best version of us and they see the ingredients and they push us beyond that comfort zone. They push us beyond that, which we even perceive we're capable of. 
mm-hmm. are invaluable in that growth journey because yes. inevitably what happens is regret you know begrudgingly we we go do it and then we surprise ourselves of oh my god as you said it wasn't that bad i survived right i'm yeah. still i'm still breathing nobody died on my shift and by the way i did okay and right. and for my first time i now want to go again and i want to do more and and those those leaders and those organizations become invaluable so i'm guessing you're not proactively taking calls from recruiters because of what you said. I'm happy and I'm valued. And so, and the reason I bring that up is all these organizations that are afraid of losing their people, maybe kind of turn that lens inward and ask, Mm -hmm. are we identifying Karens of the world? Are we recognizing her? Are we valuing them? Are we elevating their skills, their knowledge uh, to to want to stay, not not be afraid of they're gonna pull, they're gonna steal somebody away. I think you know the way I look at the leadership that's inspired me and the way I hope to lead is it's not about it's just what's the quote? It's life is not about it's about the journey, not the destination. So we all have a destination of growth we want to get to. Most of us, we all have things we want to accomplish and. Uh, numbers we want to hit by month end, year end. But a great leader isn't always just focused on the bottom line. They're focused about the journey to get there and the people who are going to help them on that journey. And really just looking and within and focusing on those people and their experiences. Because if you create great experiences for your people, they will pass that on to your customers. And that's what's going to give you the growth. On that note, uh, for our audience, if you joined us late or if you missed this session, uh, it was a great one. Uh, Karen Hamill is uh, Vice President of Services for Digital Buildings, uh, Schneider Electric, a friend, colleague, client. We've done some great work together. Look forward to doing more great work together. Karen, thank you for being our guest on the Curve Vendors Podcast. Thank you for having me. This is wonderful. For our audience, I would encourage you to come join us at norgroup.com slash forum. Karen is a member there. We'll continue this conversation. You can also subscribe to the Curve Vendors podcast on Apple or other places where you consume podcasts. We're live each Tuesday at noon Eastern. So thanks for joining us and look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks, everybody. All the best.